Hey guys, so super excited for the opportunity to share with you that we just hit 10 episodes on the Next Better Podcast. And so today, what I want to do is take a little bit of time to recap some of the things that we have learned, some of the things that we gleaned from those experiences with those experts, and then start to talk about maybe what's coming up and what's next. If you can't remember, one of our goals with these expert interviews is to get into at least 80 of them with 10 experts from each one of the eight dimensions of wellness. So we're going to talk more about that here in a second. But here we are at episode number 11 coming up, super excited about it. So let's recap, let's learn what we have learned, maybe pique your interest a little bit into diving back into some of those previous episodes and then talk about what's in store coming up. Let's get into it. So what we have learned so far, now the expert interviews, if you cannot remember the goal here, we're trying to develop a model by which people can ascertain where they are in their wellness, their well-being, not simply as a I kind of feel good, but actual measurable metrics that allow them to say, I am at a six out of 10 in my spiritual wellness. I'd like to get to an eight or nine, right? No easy feat because it's very, very hard, especially with some of these more relative numbers that we're trying to shoot for. For instance, physical wellness, if I'm overweight or if I have type two diabetes, or if I have poor strength, if my VO2 max isn't that good, pretty clear we know those numbers and we need to boost those up a little bit. But what does it look like to measure our environmental wellness, right? So that was the goal. And so if you recall way back at the beginning, and if, if you haven't listened to it, then definitely check out the episode about cracking the wellness code. Very first episode is actually episode zero that introduces this concept. But to recap, Greg Glassman, uh, the founder of CrossFit, who um, came up with this idea of this, this spectrum, right? Sickness, wellness to fitness, and this idea that everybody's on the spectrum, came up with it for physical wellness. Well, he actually got it from some other spectrums that were thrown around in the, the illness uh, wellness continuum in the 70s was one of them that kind of postulated this idea that we're all looking to improve ourselves on this spectrum of wellness. Now, his was related to physical wellness, but I started to think, why can't we find ourselves in better wellness in all aspects of our dimensions? In fact, the eight dimensions of wellness uh, developed by Peggy Swarbrick, wonderful human being. I've actually had the chance to uh, talk to her since starting these episodes. Phenomenal person. Uh, but Peggy out of Rutgers, talked about this idea of these eight dimensions. And so as I was on this journey to figure out more about wellness, I started to ask, is there fitness in all of these dimensions? Is there a fitness for our financial wellness? Is there a fitness for our spiritual wellness or our social wellness? And so that's what we set out to do. How do we measure where we're at on these spectrums uh, for all of these eight dimensions? And then how do we put numbers to it? And even more importantly, okay, now here we are. How do we get to where we want to be? So the expert interviews are designed to do just that. 10 experts in each of those eight dimensions of wellness for a total of 80 plus interviews is the goal. So the questions that we've been asking in these interviews, you may have seen a little bit of repetition if you've heard one or two of these episodes. Hopefully you're going to go back and listen to all 10. But we designed these questions in an effort to figure out what are the two ends of the spectrum? What does sickness 
look like in the spectrum of social wellness or financial wellness? What is fitness look like in those different spectrums? And so if we can start to measure those things, what does sickness look like, you know, in physical wellness, it looks like near terminable diseases, right? Uh, But if we start to measure those things, both in terms of sickness and fitness, now we can start to put some numbers around it. So the questions asked, you know, what does sickness look like? What does fitness look like? What are the metrics we can use to measure these things? And then maybe what are some of the tools that we can start to measure them and, and then improve them? And then that's what we set out to do. And so far, we've had 10 great expert interviews that have helped us to start to develop that. So now what we're going to do is we're going to dive into each one. Now, obviously, if you want to know more, please, please, please go back and listen to the episodes. They're phenomenal in terms of learning more about these different dimensions. Um, But we're just going to go over the highlights, some of the the signs of sickness versus fitness, uh, and then the big aha moments from each one of them. So uh, the first episode was with Joe Indiana, a good friend of mine, and we talked about occupational wellness. Joe is the CIO, fractional CIO, owns his own company, has been in charge of lots of organizational change management. And what he told us was the one of the biggest signs of fitness in your occupational wellness was this alignment with the team, but also your own morals and the organization at, uh, at large. Um, he also mentioned that accountability towards each other was a big aspect of it, because when you come together as a team, you have to help each other out. Right. Uh, And so this big aha moment kind of from that conversation was this idea of alignment and autonomy. Do I have alignment with my organization, with my morals, with what's important to me, with the team's objectives? Uh, And then do I have autonomy to be able to see those things through in a way that I find to be very important. Um, So those were some really great insights from Joe. And um, ironically, as we had more occupational wellness experts on two more to be specific, we started to see this this trend about those very, very same things. And so we'll talk more about that here in a moment. Episode number two was with Mark Estes. Now, Mark is the chief of emergency medicine at a hospital. Um, He also is a SWAT doctor, which is pretty cool, Uh, has done Ironman competition. So he not only uh, believes it, but he also lives it. He also started an organization called Pure Regenerative Medicine. Um, So I'm actually a client of them myself, wonderful organization, looking into longevity and regenerative medicine instead of just waiting until we're sick. And that's something that uh, Dr. Estes spoke to at length was this idea of uh, healthcare is actually really good at sick care, but it's not good at actual health care. So he has seen people on death's door day in and day out. Death is just another thing for him, like tiny shoes in the morning. And so when we talked about physical wellness with Dr. Estes, what we talked about was this idea of physical independence being our high level fitness versus physical dependence, needing someone else or some system, some medications in order to live the quality of life that you want. He also alluded to um, the book Outlive by Dr. Peter Atia, Peter Atia. Uh, and the four horsemen, which are metabolic disease or disorders, cancer, cardiovascular disease and disorders, and the neurogenerative disease. And so this idea that those are the four main things that are killing us as a species. And by avoiding those things through proper diet and exercise, as always, um, we're capable of being so much more, obviously sleep and those other things. And so we talked a little bit about that. uh, And so that that was a great conversation about this idea of avoiding that very, 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 very high level of sickness in our physical health. 
Episode number three with Patrick Flannelly um, dove into this social wellness of ourselves. Now, Pat, being a retired chief of police officer, um, he also um, has the Coptimizer podcast, which is a phenomenal uh, podcast if you want to learn more about this idea of making our uh, first responders healthier and more fit and capable. But um, Patrick has seen first and foremost the the not so great aspects of society when we're not playing nice, when we're not having an ideal amount of social wellness, we're not playing well in the sandbox, if you were. And so what Patrick shared with us was this idea of interconnectedness, this, this idea of willingness to share with each other and to be empathetic to each other, to hear what each other has to say and not just stand on a soapbox and, and scream at each other. He also talked about, obviously, the willingness to speak to the police and give them info as a really telltale sign of health in a society or in social wellness, because by being able to speak into those things, things can be handled prior to them escalating. Um, some of the things that he spoke to that were kind of eye-opening uh, in this conversation were the idea that a telltale sign of sickness in social wellness was this idea that solve rates for serious crimes being less than 20%. What does that allude to? Well, that alludes to this idea that people are unwilling to share information that's going to lead to those arrests. Well, when people aren't afraid of the ramifications of you know, crime going punished, then that becomes a very big problem. We have social unrest. Do you feel comfortable going to the grocery store without having to worry about getting mugged? That was one of the things we talked about. And so that was a really telltale sign at a systematic level of this idea of social wellness. So speaking up, sharing, being willingness to understand each other. He also was actually part of the, the startup of Nextdoor, and he talks a little bit about that. And so it's a phenomenal conversation I had uh, with Chief Flannelly. So definitely check that out. Uh, next up, episode four, we had Damian Michael. Damian is the owner of The Shift Method, uh, which is a fitness and wellness organization focused on educating people, not just the newest fads, but actually helping you understand with peer-reviewed evidence-based science, the ways that we can improve our fitness and wellness. And he is also the assistant director of fitness and wellness at Florida State University, where he graduated. So when we talked about this idea of sickness and fitness with Damien, we talked about those objective measures of speed and agility, but we also dove into this idea of the motivation of wanting to succeed, of needing that spark to, in, to even begin to want to become more developed in our physical wellness. And that's one of the things actually, uh, candidly, that I want to start to work on with this whole model for helping people is this idea of where do we start? Is it losing 10 pounds? Is it getting better sleep? Or do we have to focus more on our emotional wellness, right? If people better understand where their stressors are coming from, where their limitations are in terms of taking care of themselves, then perhaps we can better identify the starting point for our health and our wellness. Oftentimes when I spoke to my clients, I found that, okay, they want to lose 10 pounds, but they're so stressed out from the job that they don't like that they can't even fathom the idea of taking a half hour out of their day to go work out because it's just more stress on top of more stress. So by understanding that, we have a better opportunity to improve ourselves in all dimensions of our wellness. 
So Damien talked a lot about that idea of that motivation before we start to lose the weight or improve the cardiovascular fitness to be able to just be motivated to want to change, right? Uh, next up, episode five, Bob Payton. We talked about occupational wellness again, uh, and he is the growth coach of Northern Indy. Uh, he has been in corporate America. He was in corporate America for over 25 years and now owns his own company where he helps individuals in corporate America, but also their own small, medium-sized businesses to, to grow. One of the things I really loved about conversation with Bob was we talked about two things that are near and dear to my heart, which are the idea of ikigai or the reason for being, that's a Japanese concept, uh, and this idea of flow. So when he talked about fitness and work, he talked about this idea of all of these things that are important to us coming into alignment. So Ikigai talks about this idea that um, you are where you're supposed to be when you are doing things that you love, things that you're good at, things that the world needs, and things that the world is willing to pay for. You bring those four things together and boom, you have your purpose. And flow is this idea that when you are in the zone mentally, when you're challenging yourself enough, but not so much that it's overly stressful, when you are doing something that requires all of your attention, you're in this mental state of flow. And there's a lot of books, a lot of um, studies in psychology about this idea. And so he talked about that being the high level sign of fitness. Um, he also talked about alignment and autonomy similar to Joe in episode one, um, but he also brought up this idea of resiliency in our job. So if I lose my job for whatever reason, can I go out and get another job? Do I have the skills? Do I have the desires, the abilities um, to go out and get my job back or to get a new job? And this idea of resiliency really has come up over and over and over again. We're going to talk about it more in just a second. But this idea of can I handle the situations as they arise? Um, and to be perfectly frank, we're starting to see this idea that resiliency might be a more apt term for this idea of fitness. So instead of thinking it in terms of this high level peak place, it's more a matter of can I handle situations as they arise? So as my ebbs become my flows, as my highs become my lows, I'm able to weather that storm uh, and continue moving forward and not take such a big hit. So we'll talk about that more in a moment. The next uh, individual, episode six, was with Rick Davis. Um, he was in the world of financial wellness. And this is where we actually, I go on a little bit of a bender with financial wellness, uh, having three actual financial wellness coaches uh, come into play. So the first one is Rick Davis. Um, he was a CPA, um, 20 years in finances, owns Q4 Advisors now, which is helping you to win the game of uh, the financial game of life, right? And specifically those people who are in their fourth quarter and they're wanting to, you know, play the last quarter of their lives out in a successful, successfully financial way. But obviously he can help a lot of people in these world, the world of finances. Um, big things he talked about was knowing your goals, knowing the status where you're at and having a budget, having a path forward to get you from where you are to where you want to be or to maintain where you are. He talked about this idea too of knowing your means to be able to adjust your income to reach your goals. So it's one thing to have enough money to be able to reach your goals, but do you have the capacity to adjust your income in whatever way, shape, or form in order to benefit? And that kind of bleeds into this idea of occupational wellness. Do I have the skills and the talents to be able to go and get more 
uh, income based off of what I'm capable of doing. So that's where those two uh, concepts, those two aspects of wellness collide. Um, he also talked about this idea, which was a really cool visual of the tent versus your house, right? If you're trying to weather the storm of financial wellness, would you rather be in a tent or in a house? When all of these things start to pile up or go against you, do you have the capacity to weather that storm of financial maybe insecurities? If you're in a tent, maybe not so much. If you're in a house, much better capacity to be able to do that. Next up, we have Jim Vitu. Uh, episode number seven, also a financial wellness coach. He's the regional vice president for Primerica. Uh, he talked about this really cool thing. I'm not going to get into the details because you got to hear it from Jim yourself. Um, but this idea of the ladder, the steps that it takes to get you from financial dependence to independence. So one of my favorite quotes from him, the, my biggest aha moment from all this was having a budget is being able to tell your money where to go instead of asking where it went. I want that to sink in for just a second. I'm going to say it again. A budget is telling your money where to go instead of asking it where it went. And I think a lot of us can agree that there are times where we look at our financial statements and we go, oh crap, where did my money go, right? And if you don't have a budget, it's really, really hard for you to be able to know exactly where your money is going. And so all three of the financial wellness experts that we had on really focused on this idea of a budget. And so a lot of people say budgets are restrictive. I don't like them. I don't like to be told where to, how to spend my money. Well, if you don't tell your money how you're going to spend it, it's going to spend itself, right? In the form of those, uh, as Jim Fatu talks about the five bucks instead of the Starbucks, which is now probably more like the seven bucks, right? <laughs> so he talks a lot about this idea of <clears throat> budgeting and focusing on where you want to put your money. Then we have Bob Falk in episode eight, who talks about financial wellness as well. And from the lens of the CEO of Purdue Federal Credit Union, which Bob actually is. <laughs> Excuse me. So Bob talks a lot about this idea of having clear, tangible metrics for financial success. That's one of the things I really appreciated about Bob, because a lot of times when people are talking about these, you know, kind of icky conversations, we don't want to put concrete numbers around it, right? Like we want you to kind of think of what success looks like in your own terms. But Bob was very clear. There were some things that he really believed were uh, tangible metrics that we could use for success. The one that really stuck out to me was this idea of $1,000 a month in discretionary income. If you have that, you have $12,000 a year that you're saving up that you can put towards uh, your financial fitness. So really love that conversation, but go back and listen to it from Bob Falk um, in episode eight phenomenal numbers to tell you whether or not you are reaching your financial success. Then we get, we take a break from the financial uh, wellness space and we start to talk to um, somebody who I have found super interesting, a huge shift. We went from talking money to talking spiritual. So Bobby Barber, who was a pastor for several years and now is a spiritual coach with, with his own company, um, talked about spiritual wellness, um, which can be really challenging because oftentimes spiritual wellness aligns with this idea of religion. But what I loved about Bobby is he talked to it in terms of a non-denominational focus on spirituality. And yes, he has his own religion that he practices, um, but really the conversation was about what does spiritual wellness look like for everybody? And the big aspect of that is 
and how he put spiritual wellness for, for a middle schooler, you might say, is you are finding meaning and purpose in something or someone other than yourself, right? And a lot of times that's religion, but for some people it might be something bigger than that or, or different than that or focus on something else, but it doesn't have to be necessarily a divine presence, but ultimately you're believing in something outside of yourself. And so then he started to talk about um, two really cool things that I found amazing when it came to talking about spiritual wellness. Uh, one of them was this idea of when he's working with people and he's trying to help them find their purpose or their spiritual wellness or what they believe in above themselves, he talked about this football analogy, which is that most people, when they go through their lives, usually up to the age of, you know, 35 or 40, but it can change. They're a lot like a football coach in a game. The first 15 plays of the game are scripted. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to play these 15 plays. But then once we're done with those 15 plays, now what? And so many people go through their life, you know, going to college and then getting the job and then finding the wife or the husband or the partner uh, or the, you know, the, the life that they want outside of that. And they go through these step-by-step -step processes of what kind of society has told us is the norm. And then they hit 35 or 40 and they go, what's important to me? What is it that I'm looking to do? And so his focus was a lot on those individuals. What do I do now? Um, he also talked about a really important number that I was uh, worried that we weren't going to talk about. When you think about spiritual wellness, it's very hard to put a number behind that. But Bobby took a swing at it, and that's what I appreciate about him. He talked about how to measure spiritual wellness in terms of how much of your time, talent, and treasure are you giving away? And we've heard that before, but what a powerful way to think of it. When you think of spiritual wellness, obviously spiritual wellness means you believe in something other than yourself. And if you believe in something other than yourself, then it must mean that you're willing to give of yourself to others. And the three best ways to do that, time, talent, and treasure or money. So asking yourself, how much am I giving away of myself and my abilities and my resources? Well, so powerful. Please, please, please go back. Bobby Barber, that's B-A-R-B-O-U-R, episode nine, to check out more about spiritual wellness. And we wrap up the first 10 episodes with Angie Redmond. Now, Angie owns Strive HR, and she helps organizations win the best places to work awards, which is phenomenal, right? So when we talk about occupational wellness, especially if you're talking to coaches and occupational wellness who are trying to help people navigate their careers, oftentimes it's, I hate my job and I want to move forward. I want to learn something. I want to do something else. No, Angie Redman is working with the best of the best to help people understand how to win awards based off of occupational wellness. And so we had a really great conversation about that. But a couple of things that came out of that was one is emotional awareness of what you want. What do you want out of your next career? And can you articulate that clearly? Because if you can't, then is it really, truly a good idea to move forward, right? And so you, you think back to Joe... Um, Indiano and Bob Payton talking about occupational wellness. And they talked about this idea of understanding what you want and making sure there's alignment with you and the organization and your team. Angie always, uh, Angie also talked about this idea of the fact that winning the award for best places to work is the outcome, but really the power is in the process of what it takes to win that award. Where the power truly lies is in the things that you're doing to win that. You're, you're collecting data, you're assessing that data, you are 
asking your employees and your individuals, what is it that we need to be doing to be better? Uh, and then you're acting on that because if you're not acting on it, you're not improving enough to be considered for one of these awards. So um, that process versus that outcome, very, very powerful in terms of our occupational wellness and employees making sure they understand what they want. If they really want to be happy in their workplace, looking for these pl best places to work is a really great place to start. So there it is, the first 10 episodes of these expert interviews. And so here are some takeaways that I had. We talked about five different dimensions of wellness, occupational, physical, social, financial, and spiritual. For occupational, what we've learned so far, alignment with yourself and with your organization. Are you aligned with what you're trying to do? Is the work that you're doing aligned with what you think matters? Are you aligned with the values of your organization and your team? Are you aligned? For your physical wellness, you need to be motivated to succeed and you need to be thinking of ways to check quote unquote, under the hood. What are the things that you can be measuring beyond just how much weight you can lift or how fast you can run to be able to ascertain whether or not you have a good level of physical wellness? And then also making sure that you have goals for what you want to do. So what is the point of working out all the time? What are you going to use that for? What's How's it align with the other things you want to do with your life? Social wellness, being empathetic to others to understand what they are, what they're going through, what they're looking for, and then also speaking up when it's necessary for those who cannot. So are you willing to speak up to benefit others? Because when we're able to speak up and call out the wrongdoings of others, then we're able to have better social health, but also recognizing that even those who are struggling, who are maybe doing things that people don't appreciate, maybe they're struggling too and being empathetic to that. Financial wellness, there are so many ways to measure success, but a really big aspect of it is this idea of resiliency, right? And resiliency means that ability to weather the storm, that ability to have some money set back and aside, the ability to understand where your money is going so that you know where it went, and you're telling it where to go. And that idea of resiliency popping up over and over, the ability to manage yourself in these circumstances where things maybe don't go your way. So instead of falling way back to that first level of sickness in these, dimension, uh, these dimensions of wellness, you're capable of maintaining where you're at and then continuing to grow. And this idea of spiritual wellness, believing in something bigger, and then asking yourself, what can I give of myself. So there you have it, guys. The wrap up, the takeaways of these first 10 interviews. I am so excited for the opportunity for you guys to continue to learn more from them. But please, 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 if anything stuck out to you as something interesting that you might be able to learn from in your wellness and your well being, please take a look back at some of those phenomenal episodes that we have put out for you. Some of the things coming down the pike that we're very excited about we have someone coming on board here soon uh, for our env environmental wellness. So very excited to hear more about what it seems like in the world of sickness versus fitness and our environmental wellness. Also hitting on uh, emotional wellness. This is a big aspect for our society, especially right now in these days. So what does emotional wellness look like? What does emotional fitness look like? And how do we better measure our emotional wellness and see improvements in it? And then we got some more spiritual wellness coming down the pike. And of course, lots and lots more episodes 
where that came from. So can't wait to have you on board so we can continue to work together to make this world the next better version of ourselves and the people at large. So thank you guys so much. We'll see you soon.